Welcome to episode 6 of Flop Stars Season 3, the podcast where we look at albums that are adored in our hearts but criminally underrated on the charts. I'm Sam Murphy and as always I'm joined by Nick Kelly to delve into a particularly interesting album today. I think I'm going to call it the most depressing <laughs> album we've done on Flop Stars. <laughs> Have we even said what album we're doing yet? I don't know if we have. Uh, <laughs> Kelly Clarkson, My December is the yeah. album that we're doing this week. What a record. We've already had a little chat before the podcast and I know your opinion on it and you kind of know my opinion on it. But it's going to be, it's nonetheless, whatever we think of it, it's going to be a good one to unpack. Kelly is a um, an artist who's have had a lot of long- longevity and is kind of almost in the peak of her career, not as a musician, but an entertainer and a celebrity and a personality right now. Um, So to go back on this kind of tumultuous period in her career is going to be good fun. And I think this is kind of a part of Kelly's history that gets erased a little bit because it is bookended, bookended by such big pop hits. But it is a fun one to go back and look into, not not fun in sound, obviously, but um, I've had a lot of fun delving back into it and reading a lot of the things that were happening. And I didn't realise there was so much controversy surrounding it. It's musically fun in very different ways. Like some of the, like if you really get nerdy about the musicianship in this, like there's some interesting bits where they're kind of using like minor chords for the vocals over the top of like yeah. major chord instrumentation. And there's some, yeah, some really interesting stuff. Um, but what I love from from start to finish is that, like, you look at the cover art and you're like, this wouldn't be out of place on an Evanescence record. Yeah. Like, it's really delving into, like, that emo-tinged pop rock that was so big in the early kind of noughties period. Yeah. Um, and that sort of started to bleed into the late noughties as well. I want to know, as a as a lifelong uh, Clarkinator, <laughs> um, what, what do you think my December kind of you know, in the grand scheme of things, where do you think My December sits for her? What does it kind of bring up for you? In terms of if I'm going to have to, like, rank it somewhere for me. Yeah, like, what kind of impact do you think it had overall on her career and her music and her discography? Um, I'd say somewhere between none whatsoever and... <laughs> <laughs> mild no that's not true actually musically i think um it's obviously the outlier of her career it's very rock heavy um even past the pop i mean kelly's been a rock dog since day one most of the breakaway album was um very sugary sweet pop rock but this delves even further into where i would drop the pop at most points on this album and just keep the rock tag um, it's an extremely daring thing to do in the commercial space. But I think the significance of this album for Kelly is what was happening around it business-wise. She was feuding quite publicly with Clive Davis, who is like obviously the big wig of um, Sony BMG. And she, well, I mean, the, the full story has never really been uncovered, but reportedly he was so unhappy with the album that He not only wanted her to go back and re-record songs for it, he just wanted to scrap the entire thing and start from the beginning. He called her one of the top four artists that the label had at the time, which is probably true given that Breakaway was such a success and had about 
four top 10 singles. So you can imagine the surprise when she brings to him this very raw, very roughed up rock record that um, doesn't really have any obvious radio hits. And then you can imagine on Kelly's side, she's been in the American Idol kind of um, bubble and you kind of get orchestrated into doing things that you wouldn't necessarily do if you were left to your own devices. So this album is her rebelling against that. And I think she did so happily. And I don't know if she really cared about how the album was received commercially, but then it just basically destroyed her relationship with the label. And it was basically in tatters until she left only a few years ago to release that last album that she did. So it's, I guess it liberated her in some way and obviously gave her some autonomy to make her own decisions. But at the same time, when you think that the single after this album was My Life Would Suck Without You, that's the label being like, yep, (laughs) you're not being left to your own devices anymore. (laughs) We're going to rein that (laughs) in. Back to it. It's um, one of my favourite facts about um, that relationship between Clive Davis and her was that he offered her $10 million in addition to whatever the album made to take five songs off the album that he didn't like and put five more radio friendly songs on there including a song that Lindsay lohan had recorded a couple of years earlier um and she refused what the offer refu- uh, black hole and she refused the offer oh. she refused the offer she said no yeah well you've got to hand it to her for being that headstrong because i'm in two minds about that because yes i think this album could have done with maybe three strong singles to just boost it's it all you need really make that yeah, and I think the other material on it wouldn't have put been put under such scrutiny if there wasn't like this commercial flop status surrounding it. But on the other hand, I can see the frustration when you're kind of one of those artists that's being that the songs are being shopped around to you and they've been recorded by like three or four people prior. I get that you would want to step away and just make something that's uniquely your own. So it's it's a difficult balance to get right. You're absolutely right. It is a really hard line to draw. The, the balance between being authentically yourself and saving your career, I suppose. And, yeah. you know, as someone who had been just so monumentally commercially successful, such a massive celebrity, you know, she really, obviously winning the first American Idol, um, you know, she yeah. really was kind of the blueprint for this new kind of reality show singing sensation celebrity, um, which obviously, you know, yeah. has spawned dozens more people like her um, since that first season of American Idol and then it's you know it's it's subsequent spin-off series and, and competitor series around the world um, so she really yeah was a new type of celebrity for the world and for the music industry to, to to come to terms with and I think there was an expectation probably early on that she will always release really commercially friendly music and then when it comes to my yeah. December and she goes down this path of you know, we're talking about the rock stuff, but there's also like a bunch of like really depressing ballads on there as well. Um, really, really, really dreary, dreary, cloudy day songs. <laughs> no, I <laughs> just real storm, Slander. stormy kind of moments. Um, Very stormy. Yeah, it's it's really interesting that that she did go down that direction, and then as as you say, like my life would suck without you comes out, which is this perfect pop rock song um, that that drops, you know, after that record. Um, yeah, and but but you know this also sticks out as you know we've, we've spoken about many artists who've done albums that have almost been a rebellion and a yeah. a hard left turn for the sake of it, 
and for proving a point and for, you know, holding on to their dignity and holding on to their own artistic spirit. And, yeah, it always brings out this idea of, like, you can do that, but there's you can also bring in the hits and balance it out pretty nicely as well. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think that. And I, I would have loved to be in the boardroom trying to pick the lead single from this album. <laughs> I do think there are, like, maybe two or three that really stand out um, as being quite melodic. It's yep. when I went back and looked at the time, I thought, oh, maybe it wasn't that much of an anomaly for the time because you remember the early 2000, well, like the mid early 2000s as being quite rock heavy. There was a little bit of rock ingest, like injected into all pop music. Absolutely. But then I went and looked at the year 2007 and it's like Umbrella by Rihanna um, and Irreplaceable by Beyonce and glamorous Fergie. So I think we were very much veering away from the rock thing. So this was just like an absolute island of a record. Um, so I don't I don't think she was ever... Maybe it wasn't going to be the right time for Kelly. Like anyway, maybe her sound was just not going to be totally relevant in 2007. So maybe it was a good thing that she stepped away and just took the time to do her own thing like a Lady Gaga Joanne moment. Um but back to my point about picking the lead single, I don't, I, it's hard to think in retrospect what I would have done. I guess Never Again is the obvious one. <laughs> yeah, I think so. The only other one I can hear kind of working as a single is How I Feel. But I think it's only yeah. because it's possibly one of the most upbeat songs on the album. Um, that said, One Minute, which I don't think has a hook. Um, and I know that was that an official single one minute or was it sort of just like a fan? I think single? one minute only did well in Australia Classic. and by well, it just crept into the top 40. I remember it being on the radio for yeah. a couple of weeks kind of vibe back when I was, uh, how old was yeah. I? 12. Um, but that song, that song, like literally as we opened this, this, um, call to record flop stars today, I was singing that song cause it has been in my head since last night. Um, it's very catchy, isn't it? It's so catchy. It's almost as catchy as UK Hun. Um, it's it's like stuck in my head completely for the last like 24 hours. Um, but it doesn't have a hook and it doesn't make sense as a song that gets stuck in your head. Um, but yeah, apart from that, like there's no obvious hit on this record, which is a disappointment. I think Don't Waste Your Time, which I think they tried as a single as well. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's got a has hook. a little bit of melodic stickiness to it. Yeah, melodic but... stickiness. Nice from you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, for a record that I haven't gone back and visited very often, I did know, like, I did recall all of the songs at least. That's what I realised as that well. It was probably in Mum's car for about two and a half years, <laughs> but. I did like recall all of it, even the ballads. I remember sober, and I think sober is a like really really nice ballad um but yeah i kind of just picked up on all of them there was some there's something to them yeah i would agree with you there um that yeah they've almost been lodged in that very strange part of our brains that remembers very specific things from our childhood um yeah. like the part of my brain that remembers hearing what you waiting for by gwen stefani for the first time in my friend's mum's car while she went 120 in a 70 zone for some reason um <laughs> 
really good safe friends when <laughs> I was That should kid. be the music video of that. So Literally, perfect. that was the vibe. I related to that all the time. Um, but that, that's the thing. Like the, these songs, going back on every one, they had a, just a mild amount of, I, I actually remember this. Like I can follow this. I can sing along. I can almost yeah. sing along to this or at least, um, you know, predict what the next bit will sound like. It was, it's that kind of vibe. And I think if, if people go. Yeah. Back how I feel, I was like immediately like, oh, I remember this was the one I yeah. liked at the time. How weird. It was the it's the one that stands out. I think we should um, give a few facts about the album and what direction she was heading in. So it was produced by David, I think it's Khan or Carne or something like that. Um, he'd worked with The Strokes, Paul McCartney, and Regina Spector. So not of the Max Martin camp at all. Yeah. Um, she was inspired by records by U2, No Doubt, and Alanis Morissette. So really trying to go in this alternative rock direction. Um, obviously, there was a lot of um, distaste with the record label, so maybe it was a rebellion in that way, but she'd also been through a breakup and toured Breakaway very heavily and was suffering fatigue hence the kind of depressive vibe that runs through the whole album mm-hmm. um and she ended up the the record label feud was so big that it was brought up in every basically every interview leading up to this album and got to the point where she had to post a um a, what a press release on her website basically calming down the whole thing and saying that it's been blown out of proportion. That is crazy, especially because those kind of... I feel like those record label feuds and stuff don't normally make people that interesting. People don't really care about your relationship with your record label, but it was just so explosive. And she was saying some pretty, you know, I don't want to say like outlandish things. She was speaking the truth. She was speaking her honest thoughts about it. Um, and yeah. about that relationship And I think authenticity with your relationship With a record label is now something that we look at As a really honest thing And now that artists have more power than ever In the record label artist relationship Because they can own their own shit And everyone knows the, you know, the meaning of owning your own masters Look at Taylor releasing yeah. her version of Love Story Thanks, last week um, yeah. People are much more aware And therefore have a lot more leverage In those record label relationships And they're not afraid to speak their minds about it You know, artists aren't afraid to yell at their record label And say, put this song out Or let me put this song out um, But back then, yeah. you know, in 2000 in, in, in the time that, you know, that this album was coming out That wasn't a thing the, the, the record labels, and particularly the rich men in the record labels um, had, had absolutely had the balance of power and to directly come out at the head, head figure as well mm. in Clive Davis instead of just, like, making sweeping claims about the record label. Like, that's really pointed stuff. Yeah. And particularly when you're signed to, like, what? She was probably signed to, like, a five or six album deal. Mm. And this that's is album number that. three. That's She's got the, a lot to get through. And that's the brutality. And again, you know, we talk about the power of those record label artist things, but it was it was tenfold with the with the reality shows involved because when you agree to go on that show, you you preemptively sign your record deal. You preemptively sign the deal. Yeah. Um, that if you win, you will release records through this label. And that's far. Yeah, and I, like some of the. Even even more recent shows, like I know the Voice Australia's, you know, contracts are, are quite absurd to be honest, and really provide no rights to the artist, and provide a lot of rights to the record label and the production company to do whatever the hell they want with the records, um, and, and you know, treat you however they want. So back then, it was 
you know, it was it was just a brutal new world that no one knew how to navigate. And I suppose that's when tension is created in those relationships. And you think they're picking up these like young kids who just want to be a singer and like that's the base of their dreams and it doesn't matter what it takes to get there so of course you're going to sign something like that yeah winning this big competition is a pie in the sky and then you win it you have your second album is in kelly's case so successful one of the biggest pop records of that year since you've been gone is still to this day one of the biggest pop songs ever and then you start to think like what have I done? Yeah. <laughs> what have I signed? <laughs> and there's no way out. And this is like, I think the frustration is all through this record. She would have taken it to, to Clive Davis and the record label knowing they were going to hate it. And there was probably some great relief in her because of that. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, we talk about the way out. There's no way out. There's just a way to, I don't even want to say around it, a way to work through it and be brutal and yeah. make it a difficult time for your record label because they're not going to drop you because you're a money machine. So you just make it... Yeah. That's kind of how the power was sort of, you know, exercised by the artist in the noughties was you just make an album that you love and they hate and you go against the grain of everything that's made you successful in the record label's eyes and what they want you to do. You go against that grain and you do, you know, music that feels like a, a battle against it. And yeah. that's sort of how you exercise your power in the noughties. This is important context, I think, but let's pull it back to the music of Kelly with a little song game. Love this idea. Uh, which which I've made Kelly versus Idol or talent show alumni. Um, and I kind of had to extend it because you think that more people have made successful careers out of talent shows than they actually have. Yes. I was actually really struggling to find people. So I've pulled them from like X Factor UK. There's a there's an American Idol judge in here. There's an American Idol winner. And then there's a Canadian Idol contestant. Whoa. It. So it's a real mixed bag. We're global so here. Exactly. This is world idol shit. So it's a Kelly Clarkson song going up against a song by an ex-idol or talent show somebody, if that makes sense. I love it. Let's do it. (laughs) So we're going to stick with My December for the first one and go with the lead single, Never Again. Versus Bleeding Love by Leona Lewis. Ooh, quite a balance there. <laughs> quite a balance. I was trying to think about a song that's as kind of harsh as Never Again and it's impossible to find by an Idol contestant. Yep. I'm going to go a pretty... E- I th- to be honest, it's a pretty easy one for me. I think it's Bleeding Love. Yeah. Um, I think Bleeding Love is a really excellent song that stood the test of time. Um, probably one of Ryan Tedder's best writing efforts. Um, Leona, not the most interesting of all pop stars, but definitely, you know, was no. the perfect person for that song to go to. Um, so it's, it's bleeding love. My thoughts on never again are just, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's an obvious one, but it's average still. <laughs> You're not into the first line. I hope the ring you gave to her turns her finger cream. What a shit line. <laughs> <laughs> just, just poetry really. Also, I don't know if you feel this as well, but I feel like Never Again has been sped up. It feels so fast. 
Just listen, go back and that. listen to it after this with that in mind, but it just feels so fast to me how for some reason. How interesting. Could, Maybe I've slowed down in my It could be a age. remix or it could be a Dave Ord or Jason Nevins No, it mix. wasn't the Dave Ord remix. It was definitely <laughs> the sure? original. Because what they do in remixes is they make them faster sometimes and put like a beat behind them, so it could be that. You know what? I go into bat for a number of songs from my December, but Never Again is not one of them. <laughs> I think Bleeding Love is such a good song. The fact that even like Jesse McCartney wrote it and then sung the demo and it still sounds good with Jesse McCartney singing it means it's a good song. Yes. Good thing. And also Leona Lewis has the um the personality of a blank canvas. So <laughs> that <laughs> Love her. She could have been great, but I agree. Didn't work out. No. Um, but yeah, Bleeding Love is is still a great song, I think. And one of those songs that you could have shopped around to lots of people and just had to find the right vocal and Leona's was right. For yeah, it. So true. Definitely Bleeding Love in this case. It needed that softness and it needed that... The, the bleeding Love this is, not Never Again. Um, bleeding Love needed that like so- tenderness that only certain vocalists can actually deliver properly. Like even to the very yeah. last seconds of the song, how that actually kind of... Tails off the, I'm not going to try to do it, but tails off the word love at the Can very you, end of the song. It's like, it's please do it. My friend Lillian said the other day that she enjoyed your singing in the episodes. There you go, Lillian. I'm going to do more, more singing for you. What's our second one? I just like. I just had a um like a mental sound of Jessie J bulldozing her way through bleeding love. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the next one is since you've been gone. Versus. Teenage Dream by current American Idol judge Katy Perry. Oh, wow. I don't know how you're going to get any more controversial than this because that's a very good thing. I had, I know, I had to extend this one because not just any song can go up against Since You've Been Gone. That's a very good point. And you've given it a very worthy contender in Katy's arguably most perfect song of her career and one of the most perfect pop songs of the decade. It's her best song, yeah. We can say that. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that supersedes it. Yeah, it's her most perfect. Maybe Rise, her Olympics song. song. Yep. Yep, I like that. Let's unpack this. I think Since You've Been Gone stands up more to me in terms of the directness of the lyrics, how much they still hit. 15 years later. Yeah. More than 15 years later. I think it perfected that pop rock sound that was so big at the time. You know, you put that up against like Forever by the Veronicas and and songs like that. Yeah. And it still is the archetype of that feeling, that ferocious kind of pop rock at the time. I I can't say... For all of Teenage Dream's perfections, what I think Since You've Been Gone wins at is the brutality and the imperfections of it. And the rawness, but still feels so concise. So I'm going to actually go Kelly Clarkson on this one and go Since You've Been Gone over Teenage Dream. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. Yes. I think, it's, I do think Teenage Dream is perfect. 
they're both per- I believe unfortunately they're both um doctor redacted but um Boo. they are both perfect unfortunately ring the shame um, bell yeah but I think I think if you were going to like measure the impact of both of them at by the response to it at a party or something like that mm. I think since you've been gone would measure just slightly higher um yeah. and that chorus just goes a little bit harder than what teenage dream does and also Kelly's vocals are kind of unmatched in that department as well. So got to go since you've been gone on that one. I shake your hand. Thank screen. you. Shake your Just hand. Just waving your, waving your hand at me um, through the screen like a dead fish. <laughs> like a sexy fish. <laughs> Last episode, throwback. What's our next battle? Right, we're going full on Ryan Tedder for this one. Already gone by Kelly. Oh, yeah. Versus Battlefield by Jordan Sparks, another American Idol winner. I just feel like Already Gone never quite gets going. It goes in a nice mm. direction. You know what? It, it does plot a bit. It pl- it's a plotter, isn't it? Yeah. It's a, it's a plotter. I would put it in the same category as Bleeding Love, but not as good. Like, it's got that vibe to it for me. Um, yeah. But it never yeah. quite Well, Bleeding on. Love's Ryan Tedder as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I think uh, from memory, that was his first cut as a songwriter, I think. Like, first big one. That sounds about right. Yeah, I'll do some research at some point in my career. Um, I reckon (laughs) (laughs) Battlefield by Jordan Sparks, there was just this run of a few Jordan Sparks songs just over that couple of years that were just perfect. And she was such a refreshing pop star and just such a nice face to have making pop music and, you know, she was really, really likable and, and I think, yeah, a really underrated, you know, pop musician in, in the noughties. So I'm going to go with Battlefield. Perfect song. Yeah, Battlef- Battlefield's such a forgotten banger, I so feel like. So forgotten. And I didn't realise how well it actually did in Australia. <clears throat> I feel like it did better in Australia than anywhere else. It was like high up in the top ten. It was a smasher. Because she um, also had a song with um with Guy Sebastian, one of the biggest Australian pop stars oh, of yeah. all time, Art of Love, which was amazing um and that was kind yeah. of there was a couple of songs like guy had that the huge hit with um lupe fiasco battle scars which kind of hit american radio as well there was like this slight push yeah. to get guy into the u.s for a bit um and art of love with with jordan was just oh massive song so yeah there was a few really yeah. good bits from her she also teamed up with um uh redacted mr brown um on a, a wonderful yeah. duet as well um, which which his name has uh, escaped me, but escaped no air, no air. <laughs> Great song, yeah. Um, but yeah, Battlefield is is a smasher. Yeah, Battlefield's so good. Yeah, and I agree. Already gone plods along a bit, but I believe did pretty well for her. That whole album did very well for her. Yeah. I think. So she got back on track, but got to give it to to Jay Sparks here. Sparko. Final one. My life would suck without you. Yes, this means you're sorry. You're standing at my door. Yes, this means Versus Cut to the Feeling by former Canadian Idol contestant oh. Carly Rae Jepsen. That's the Canadian one. Yeah, I didn't you. realize that. No, neither did I. How many years yeah. before her notoriety? Oh, I think was it was this? quite a 
I think it was quite a lot. <clears throat> Hang on, I'm having a quick look. You should know Wing, these things. Carly Rae Jepsen, Canadian Idol. She was on it in, I was going to say 1985. That's when she was born. <laughs> she was on it in 2007. Oh, okay. So quite a, so a few so years So around before. the same time Kelly was on... Oh, no. Kelly was on... 2001, much, Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's about six years there. <laughs> <laughs> she was on Canadian Idol the same time Kelly Clarkson released My Descendant. Oh, okay. I see what you're going for now. <laughs> Um, no, I wasn't. I did think. In, and that year was 1985, wasn't it? <laughs> my life would suck without you. Fuck off. <laughs> my life would suck without you. Uh, top three Clarko songs all time? Yeah. We happy to admit that? Cut. Her least favourite, I believe. Whose least favourite? Kelly's. Really? I think she hates it. I think because of Dr. Redacted. Oh, fair. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, cut to the feeling. Obviously, just such a perfect CRJ song as well. This is a really difficult one. It might even be more difficult than since you've been gone teenage dream. I think I'm gonna go with my life would suck without you. It just, I think it has the same perfection to it that since you've been gone has. I think it's lyrically yeah. really fun, um, but also like heavy at the same time. And I think that's the line that Kelly has been able to do really well across her career is be really lyrically specific. But you know, and, and kind of f- playful to an extent. Yeah. Like no one's calling their song "My Life Would Suck Without You." Like using a really like classic two thousand and nine yeah. sort of insult. <laughs> you suck. Um, like, yeah, I think it's really it's really smart in that in that capacity. So I'm gonna go with "My Life Would Suck." Yeah, I don't know if it's just because I've been going back on Kelly, because "Cut to the Feeling" is definitely up there. Perfect. As Pops one up. of Carly's best. Yeah. But. Yeah, there is something about my life would suck without you. It's it's the per- it was the perfect update for her going from that really guitar heavy pop rock sound and then going a little bit more into the electronic thing that was starting to happen at that time. Yeah, and and just completely revived her career after my December. Um, but still, still love my life would suck without you. So I think yeah, I think I'm gonna go the same as you. I agree. I think just like since you've been gone was like the archetype like the perfection of that sort of sound my life would suck without you was probably you know close to the perfection of that like muted electric guitars really obvious drum machine kind of synthy you know slight synths but really rock driven pop production that was around at that time and i think it yeah yeah i think that's why and remember that the next single off that album was I Do Not Hook Up, which oh. was written by Katy Perry and was meant to be on a Katy Perry record. Good song, that. Yeah. Another one that stands Yeah, should have done better. Should have been higher. Should have been higher. Should've we should have done that album for Flop Stars. What album? The next one. The next Kelly one. Oh, yeah. Well, we can do that in season 17. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Hopefully Dr. Redacted will be imprisoned yeah. by then and we won't have to worry about him getting money from the streams that this podcast yeah. generates for the artists we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good springboard, though, to talk about what I want to talk about next. And we've had so many um, records on this podcast that have kind of signaled an end for the artist in terms of their mainstream popularity. Mm. And if any album was going to threaten to derail your career, I think My December 
is the one. It Like, they just couldn't do anything with it. Never Again did well, I think, because Kelly was popular to begin with. But they couldn't launch any of the other singles. And they tried, like, four and nothing did anything. And then I think the label just pulled it. Um, and Kelly Clarkson was cranky at the label again because they tried to get her to perform Never Again on a charity show that American Idol was doing. And she didn't feel it was right to sing Never Again on a charity show with the money going to, like, AIDS development or something <laughs> like that. I would agree with that. <laughs> Definitely agree with that. I think that. that's a good call. Um, <laughs> but why do you think she was able to bounce back from this? And get to the point that she is now where most people wouldn't even know she made my December. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think time heals wounds, first of all. And she put a little bit of time between this album and, you know, took some time away, didn't tour it extensively. Um, You know, really just kind of sat with the moment and worked out who she was and what she was and, you know, what she was away from the drama of, you know, the record industry. Um, and also, you know, diversified and is, is you know, in 2021, and obviously we'll, we'll continue to touch on her, you know, her career now, but, you know, it's really thriving and really in the pocket of one of the best moments of her career outside of music. Yeah. Um, with the rumour she's about to take over Ellen, which is quite huge. Um, yeah. And then in seven years, everyone will hate her. Uh, <laughs> but I think, like, a lot of it has to do with, like, the, the bounce back has a lot to do with the fact she's really likeable. And she's honest and she's authentic. And I think those those things win every time. And those things can act as a springboard for you if you do go through moments where the public kind of turns away for a bit. Um, being yeah. likeable and charismatic definitely brings people back to a pop star. Yeah, definitely. There was something I was going to say straight after that and it's completely escaped It's run out me. of your brain, is it? I know what I was going to say. What were you going to say? <laughs> I was going to say, do you think that we allow artists more room now to have a passion project than we did back then? Because if you think of like what Taylor did last year with the Folklore and Evermore albums. um, Think about Joanne. I think there's... Think about Joanne, yeah. Think about Miley Cyrus and her dead pets. Yep. Um, I think there is a lot more room for experimentation and for people to believe that a detour that a momentary detour is possible i don't think it was the same i I think only because not only because but i think a big contributing factor to us not allowing her that time is because this was positioned as her big follow-up to break away it wasn't it wasn't positioned to the public or you know or positioned to the record label as a you know a little sort of like detour you know, a purposeful yeah. detour. It was positioned as a great out. Al- she wanted it to be a great album that was a you know able to match the success of Breakaway, um, and you know redefine who she was and add to the edge of who she was. That you know, if if Taylor were to come out with Evermore and and Folklore and not position it in the way that she did with the you know I w- jumped in the in a cabin in the woods with my friends and made an album, um, <laughs> then she wouldn't have you know if she positioned it as this is my big, you know, my big next record to follow up. Um, the Schloff album, I can't even remember the name of it. Um, then, what was that album called? Lover. Lover, that one. Um, yeah. Then <laughs> then we wouldn't have, you know, treated it with the same sort of respect and, and dignity that we did. Um, so, yeah, I think it's yeah. all about marketing and positioning in those kind of situations. 
And I think for a fan or for a casual listener, when you go into a project expecting hits like Since You've Been Gone and then you get this, it's very difficult to readjust your expectations. Mm. Even if My December is a good album. And I do think that, I know that you may differ on this point, but I do think that there's plenty of good moments on Plenty is a really Not good pop moments, but I think really (laughs) plenty. There's at least eight. Does that include By the, the way, Dave Ord remixes at the end? If you want to have a go at me, let's let's go to Demi Lovato and Sam Fisher watched. How's that doing? Hey, How's our little bet I'll going? I'll have a little look and I'll let you know if you missed this last week. Uh, <laughs> we are on the hunt for... Just a detour from, the, from you attacking me about my December. <laughs> we have a bet on, uh, as of last week's podcast, that... Sam Fisher and Demi Lovato's What Other People Say will end up in the top five on the Billboard charts and the wager is a bottle of Kylie Minogue rosé for a win. So I'll give you an update shortly. Give you an update at the end of the show. Apparently it has been blowing up on TikTok. So it should. And (laughs) you know where all the hits start. All right, you'll give us an update at the end. Um... (laughs) Back to my December. But I do think that it has some introspective, good songwriting and some very personal songwriting. Like there's obviously very intense stuff about a breakup. Um, But then there's stuff about suicide and loneliness and depression and all kinds of things. So it's just not an easy album to go into if you were a fan of Kelly because you liked four singles off her last album. You're not going to invest yourself in this very deep project or even give it the time to marinate it all. Yeah. But me, who was forced to listen to it in the car with my mum over and over and over again, developed a taste for it. You say forced. There was no forcing. Well, I wasn't driving the car, was I? I had to be in the car. (laughs) Oh, that's a good point, yeah. That's a good point about driving a car. I don't know how old you are. You could have been driving a car in 2007. I don't know. Um. 2007? It was 14 years ago. <laughs> I was 14, literally. <laughs> Actually, not too far of driving no, a car. No, only a couple of years. <laughs> Imagine, um, I could have been blasting one minute out of the, the windows of my Toyota Corolla, my moss green Toyota Corolla. Oh, that's a good colour. Also a good car. Great cars, Toyota Corolla. Spons- it is a good car. It was very good. Um, I have one of those like tape um, cassette things that you put in the cassette player and then it has yeah. a, an aux cord that comes out of it, but you can still hear the tape turning. It's, it's the new vinyl. It's coming back. <laughs> it's the redeeming factors of this, I think you raise a good point on, is that there's a lot of honesty in the lyrics on this. And that's always been something that Kelly's been good at, even in the songs that she's not a huge, you know, part of the writing process of. And I know she's a really good songwriter as well, but, um, you know, a number of writers like Cara Diagati and a bunch of other people, um, you know, were really heavily involved with the writing of it. But she'll always only sing songs that she believes in. And that was a big factor in her not taking that $10 million agreement to record five more songs for the record um, in obviously her not wanting to perform God, never I would again. have taken it Charity. in a second. I know, can you think of that? $10 million. I would have recorded Gangnam Style for it for $10 million. <laughs> <laughs> and a bottle Frog, of Kylie Gangnam Minogue Style, Rosa. all the hits on there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's, let's, that's it. Let's do your game. 
Welcome to my game, Kelly's Dirty Little Secrets. I've found 10 fun facts about Kelly Clarkson on a website called countryfancast.com. <laughs> and I need you to fill in the blanks of the facts. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Because oh, By the way, it's called Dirty Little Secrets because there's a song called Dirty Little Secret on the album. And so these are dirty little secrets. They're kind of like secret facts. You get it. Yeah. get the gist. Cool. Okay, good. There's 10. Yeah, very good. And it says there's 10 fast Kelly Clarkson facts. Okay. She is not yeah. only musically gifted, but very what too? Not only musically gifted, but very... Funny. Incorrect. The answer is intelligent too. She's not only oh. musically gifted, but very intelligent too. She turned down... Oh God, how sexist of me. A female pop star couldn't be intelligent. Just, just funny. funny. <laughs> I am man. She turned down two full ride scholarships. I think it's meant to say full time. To the University of Texas at Austin and the Berkeley College of Music and later turned down two record deals before winning American Idol. That's wow. fact number one. You got it wrong. Number two... Yeah, sorry, go on. She is at their fast Kelly Clarkson, in fact, Sam. Says it on the sheet. Yeah, okay. She is afraid of... It does not say fast. No, it's, it says it on the countryfancast.com, though. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Number two, she is afraid of... What? What's Kelly Clarkson afraid of, Sam? According to countryfancast.com. Um, aging record executives. <laughs> Good guess. No, I reckon she's scared of spiders. Oh, you're close. It's a creature. It's an animal. Grasshoppers. Not grasshoppers or spiders. It's sharks. Oh. There's a caveat to that. It's always one of them. Yeah. Kelly wanted to be a marine biologist before her music career. She stopped pursuing a career in marine biology after she watched the movie Jaws. That's according to countryfancast.com. Okay. Well, not very strong-willed then. Can I tell you, this article was written in 2020, so it's actually really recent facts that you're getting here. <laughs> so you're zero from, uh, zero from two at the moment. There is eight more fast Kelly Clarkson facts to go. Number three. Okay. She has how many children in her busy household? Four. Correct! Yes. Well done. Clarkson and her estranged husband, Brandon, have two children together, River and Remington. Brandon also has two children from his previous marriage, Savannah and Seth. And there's a lovely photo of them on the orange carpet of the Ugly Dolls premiere. <laughs> All four of them. Beautiful. So you're one from ten. Number four. Clarkson can relate to who? Clarkson can relate to who? Or I'll, I'll specify that. Clarkson I, can relate to what industry of person, of worker, Clarkson can relate to? Relate to. Maybe like the medical industry? <laughs> Interesting, but wrong. Clarkson can relate to restaurant and bar service. <laughs> because oh, before her she music was, career, yeah. she would, do you tell me as the Clarkson fan? Well, I just know she was a waitress, wasn't she? Because she's a waitress in that movie, Kelly, um, from Justin to Kelly, the one that she had to make contractually at the end of American Idol. I highly recommend watching it. (laughs) It's brilliant. Before her music career, she worked as a cocktail waitress at a comedy club in Arlington, Texas, and a comedy club called Hyenas Comedy Club in Fort Worth, Texas. 
So unfortunately, Clarkson cannot relate to medical workers. She can relate to restaurant and bar service. Okay. That's who she can relate to. Number five in the fast Kelly Clarkson facts of which you have one correct. It's not very fast, is it? Clarkson is part what nationality? Oh. Um, uh, mm. Part, she's part German. That's correct, but <gasps> it's not what the headline, no, but it's not what the headline here on country... Fancast.com says says number five she is part Greek. A great grandfather of hers on her mother's side was an immigrant from Greece. Wait, so how is she, she also part... has ancestors? Hang on, she also has ancestors from England, Ireland, Germany, and Scotland. Okay, so you were part Greek. Great. All right, I'll take a point for that. Number six. What was one of the toughest years in her career? What year? be pretty hard to beat the my december year wouldn't it? what year was that 2007 number six 2007 was one of the toughest years in her career you got it right i'll read you how country fancast describes what we've been talking about for 45 minutes she fired her manager clive davis and cancelled a planned concert tour for the summer of 2007 yes maggie that did happen yes my December was released in late June of that year and initially had strong sales, but still the cloud from the Clarkson-Davis conflict hung over the project. She later expressed regret. There you go. <laughs> Fact number seven. She broke the record for fastest jump to what on the charts? I think I know the song that she did this with. Um, mm-hmm. uh, fastest jump to number seven. No. <laughs> number seven is she broke the record for fastest jump to number one on the charts. To number in one. 2000, in 2002, Kelly Clarkson's American Idol inaugural song, A Moment Like This, uh, broke a record previously okay. held by the Beatles for fastest jump to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. Number oh, eight, she loves what? Um, I'm, does she just love one thing? Yes, and loves is in capital letters, so you know she really loves it. Pizza. She loves. Ooh, that's incorrect. Kelly Clarkson does not love pizza. She loves tattoos. Does she? The songstress has many tattoos on her body, including a cross and saying love them more on her wrist, a heart on her hand, the state of Texas, and a jigsaw piece that has deep meaning for her. It symbolizes peeling off the top layer and seeing the whirlwind beneath a tornado on a yellow brick road. She God, people crap on about tattoos. tattoos, don't they? They really do. It's not that deep. Do you have any tattoos? I don't have any tattoos, no. Neither. I'm not against so it, but boring. I'm just not going to come up with a big story, like... That's just, how I feel, Just yeah. like the look of sheep. So I put a I sheep on my back. Got... <laughs> you know that Dave Hughes adopted a sheep once called Chungo? That's a fun fact for you. Number nine, back speaking of track. fun facts. Um, <laughs> she has a family connection to another star. Who's the star that she has a family connection to? Reba. Fucking great work from you. Yes. Clarkson married Reba McIntyre's <laughs> stepson, Brandon Blackstock, 
in October 2013. Fa- his father is Reba's ex-husband, Narvel Blackstock, who managed Kelly for a little while. Yeah. So there you go. Great from you. Finally, in the fast facts that you're doing quite well in here on countryfancast.com, one of her favourite bands is a pop punk act. Which one? No doubt. Oh my God! Is it? The, the Clarko Stan jumped in. Yes! Clarkson has stated in the past that No Doubt with Gwen Stefani is one of her all-time favourite bands. And yes, Kelly has gotten to work with her longtime idol on The Voice. Wow. Incredible. I'm really proud of you. That was amazing work. Thank you for tapping in on countryfancast.com. The multi-talented superstar's career has been on fire since she won the first season of American Idol. Get to know the Texan better through this collection of Kelly Clarkson facts below. <laughs> and you got many of them right. Well done. I'm quite pleased with that. Kelly's Dirty Little Secrets. So uh, we'll, go, we'll roll into my game. How do we transition out of that? I know, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Now you've, you've dried up all the Kelly facts. What else is there to talk about? Oh, no. I think we'll go kind of moving past my December. We've talked about what went wrong there, but then we've also hinted at the fact that things got much better for Kelly after that. Um, And it's pretty wild how she turned it around and how many hits she's had post that and, like, in the latter part of her career because she seems to kind of nab a hit every album now, which is quite impressive. Why do you think that she's, like, how is she able to do it? How is she able to maintain relevancy enough to get to the point where, like, almost two decades into her career, somebody's like, you know what, let's give her a TV show every single day of the week. Literally, and a really good show. Yeah. It's a great show, and she's doing an amazing job of it. The best daytime talk show, apart from Wendy. Apart from Wendy, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Dula Pipa. I... A lot of it comes down to the basics of just being extremely fucking likable, very charismatic, very honest, very authentic. As I said earlier, those things always win. Um, I think as well, people feel like they've grown up with her. And, you know, she's been a mainstay on American television for two decades now. Yeah. And has gone through so much publicly on television and in the press um, through that time and always been quite forthright about it and quite honest about it whether it's through the music whether it's through you know social media whether it's through her, her television show now um where she's happy to be quite honest about you know all sorts of topics i think that stuff genuinely you know it's the basics but it doesn't get old yeah you know authenticity is the one thing that we all have unique to ourselves it sounds so deep right now um and i think she is one of the most authentic and genuine seeming and it, a lot of it is perception as well yeah like you, you could be really authentic and down to earth, but that may not be how you come across. But I think she comes across really authentic and genuine. And I think that stuff wins all the time. And yeah, I think it, for middle America, which is how you basically win, you know, win over the hearts of the country and, you know, are actually successful. Um, she's so likable. I feel like for Kelly, her biggest like hurdle is just getting like onto radio or like just getting a hit mm. half the way there. And then once people start hearing it and stuff, like nobody really has an issue with a Kelly Clarkson song, you know, they're like, oh, totally. we'll support it. We'll get behind her. She's got that really likable thing that's very hard to kind of turn off the radio and be like, oh, we fucking hate Kelly Clarkson in this household. And I think she just kept like nabbing enough hits every so often in this latter part of her career to keep, kind of in the public 
I. And uh, she's had some great ones as well. Like, I was so surprised when What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger became such a massive hit for her. And I think even, like, won a Grammy or at least got nominated for a Grammy. Yeah. Such a good song, that. Absolutely brilliant song. I think there's something interesting about what she can do now musically because obviously she has really pivoted into that world of being, you know, a, a, a presenter. Um, a personality yeah. more than a, a pop singer. Um, but I think, you know, she can still own a really successful space there in the yeah. in the same vein as like a Michael Bublé or, a, you know, she's now an adult contemporary kind of artist. Yeah. I think she's moved forward from being sort of a top 40 hot AC kind of artist into this, into this real adult contemporary, you know, mums in their 40s and 50s kind of adore her kind of space. And me. <laughs> And 28-year-old Australians living in New York. <laughs> I want to hear oh, her do like a an Adele-type record. Like I want to hear yeah. something that's really vocally based because she does those yeah. covers every day for the show um, and they always like get heaps of attention online by people who are just like, oh, I can't believe she's got such a good voice, that Kelly. Like, I think if she yeah. did something that was really just focused on her vocals, people would people would be in for it. I think she's past the, like, stage of having a number one single, but I could be wrong. You could be wrong. And look, she could move into the world of Pink as well. Where That's she's true. Get her daughter on straddling board for that, a track. Get a, get one of her four children, as we just discussed, um, whether it be Brandon's children or her own. Um, you know, get get as many as she wants on there. But I'm like <laughs> looking at like her most recent musical release. It was for the Ugly Dolls soundtrack, but it was produced by Marshmallow and Steve Mack and co-written by Pink and Johnny McDade from Snow Patrol. Wow! Like that's a smash. I haven't ever heard this song. <laughs> You know that new Pink so song's not even heard, not even written by her? Didn't didn't write a word on it. I told you that. Did you? Yes. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you know this thing that you told me? Because I'm going to present it as new information right now. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> did you know that Marshmallow... Actually, this is a genuine did you know. Did you know that Marshmallow... His real name is Christopher Comstock. Christopher Comstock. Comstock. Oh. <laughs> Offensive. Don't be uncouth. Is it? I bet you're next week you're gonna come to me and go. Oh shut Marshmallow's up. real name. <laughs> not gonna be continued behaviour. I thought it was an interesting fact to share. <laughs> I agree. Thanks for bringing it to my attention. Yeah, well, you hadn't said it in 50 minutes, so I took the liberty of sharing it, and I don't regret it. <laughs> have you got another game? Have you got a, th- a second game? I do. I've got a second game. It's called Kelly's December or Not. So what I've done is I've scoured the internet for a bunch of headlines written about Kelly Clarkson in Decembers of every year. Not oh, every yeah. year. I've picked cherry-picked. You need to tell me if this is real or whether I've made it up. So the ones I've made up are December-based as well. They're all December-based. Um, yep. But yeah, just just let me know. Just LMK. Um, right. <laughs> all right. First one. Kelly Clarkson says she's done being pregnant after second child. Ooh. 
being pregnant, would you be... Okay, if she had the kid in December, then she would have gestated from March. I'm trying to work out whether it would have been a celebration of anything in March that would have led to <laughs> the baby activities. Um, what's her birthday? That's the real question here. April. Birthdays in April. Could have popped it out a month early. I'm going to go with that's her December. That's correct. That's Kelly's December. Yes! Yes, it's Kelly's December. Next one. Yes. The British government is trying to stop US singer Kelly Clarkson taking a rare turquoise and gold ring once owned by Jane Austen out of the country. <laughs> Wait, this is all factual information. I've just got to work out whether it happened in December, right? No, no, no. You've got to work oh, out whether it's a real headline. Whether it's a real headline or whether oh. I've made it up. Oh, I thought it was. Oh. My apologies. This is why I'm you're down like attention. doing the maths. I wonder why you were so fixated. No, on I was writing. Was I was writing down what I want to chop into a video. Funny things we say on the podcast. Oh, and okay. then I, my mind was elsewhere. And oh, okay, I've misunderstood the game. Okay, I'm gonna go with that information. <laughs> so I fluked the last one. I'm gonna go. That is not Kelly Clarkson's December. That is Kelly Clarkson's December, 2011. What? <laughs> Apparently she purchased this jewel for quite a hefty fee uh, in the UK and then they tried to stop her taking it out of the country. I'm not sure whether she was successful in taking it out. I think I actually think she did get it out because she wrote My Life Would Suck Without You about the jewel. So I'm going to write that down in my book as another funny thing you said. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> and therefore not understand the game. Next one. <laughs> Miss Independent! Exclamation mark. Kelly Clarkson is happy spending Christmas alone this year. <laughs> Miss Independent! Exclamation <laughs> mark. <laughs> this is definitely a Daily Mail about... I just don't know how you would have made that up. It's definitely Kelly Clarkson's December. I made it up. <gasps> Good trickery. Impressive trickery. Did it happen in December? Um, yes, oh, it yeah, did. It's Christmas, it did happen it? in December. Okay. What is it about? Or did you make up this headline completely? No, I literally just made it up. It's amazing. You should write the headlines. Well, that, I wouldn't be able to make them up. Or maybe I could. <laughs> Fast forward a year, I've been jailed and for spreading misinformation. <laughs> What's the next one? <laughs> the next one is losing my mind. Kelly Clarkson stuns in revealing dress with super plunging neckline while announcing Christmas single. Oh, is she a neckline type? Revealing neckline type. I'm going to go that's Clarko, actually. Yep. I like that. Yeah, you're right. That was her December. Yes. Next one. Yes. Kelly Clarkson questions whether Rudolph actually led Santa's sledge <laughs> during, <laughs> during the Kelly Clarkson show taping. 
This sounds like one of those um, fake show business news <laughs> posts on Twitter. It's like Sean Connery didn't un- doesn't understand. Uh, he's dead now. Like Jennifer Lopez doesn't understand <laughs> yeah. how this works. <laughs> and then a quote. Um, I'm gonna go. You made that up. Yes, I did make that up. Yes. <laughs> All right. Wait to- from scratch again. I need to know where your brain's at with these things. Was it? Have you switched the people around, or did no? You make no, I just made scratch? that up. <laughs> <laughs> and it was inspired by fake showbiz. That account. Yes. Okay, two more to go. <laughs> Kelly Clarkson accidentally leaves Dick Clark's rockin' New Year's Eve party with forty thousand dollar loaned Tiffany bracelet. What is it with her and taking jewelry from I places think she's, she's a not thief. meant to leave? She is. Well, she did pay for the for Jane Austen's jewel. She just wasn't allowed. That's to why pay. she didn't need the ten million dollars from Clive Davis. It all makes sense now. Yeah, because she's actually a jewel <laughs> she's a jewel thief. <laughs> I'm kidding. We're making some straight. You should write that in your new news publication <laughs> of a fa- fake information. You should write that story. Um, I'm gonna go. That is. Re- that sounds like something ditzy that Clark that Clarko would do. I'm gonna go that. Yeah. I made it up. Oh my god! Stop! Don't make things up about jewels. <laughs> Off limits. <laughs> okay, the final one is Kelly Fuck. Kelly Clarkson jokes on Instagram. I hope this December is better than my December. Oh, oh! I really hope this is true. I'm gonna say it's not true though. You're right. I made it up. That's ah! it. <laughs> it does kind of feel like something she might do, but I also feel like this album is kind of like taboo to her. Personal to her, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good game. I like that. <laughs> that was very fun. All right. Um, best and worst song on the album, plus a rating out of 10. You can probably go for your life with the worst song. Cool. Best song is definitely going to be One Minute. I think the worst song is potentially uh, Haunted. Okay. Okay. That's fair. You are entitled to your opinion. Um, <laughs> the best song is... How I Feel, followed by Sober. Yeah. The worst song is, um, oh God, maybe Judas. <laughs> nice list. Yeah, don't like Judas is not good either. Yeah, Judas is a bit, it's a bit clunky. Um, and my rating out of 10 is a 7 out of 10. 7? Yeah. I could pump a higher. I really enjoyed it. Can I have I a kiss? It's pretty shit too. I think seven is probably the lowest I've ever given before. Yeah. I can't find anything more than about a four and a half for this. A four and a half. It's getting a four and a half. Oh my goodness. Bite me. Bite me. I'm not going to fight you. Don't I'm not going to buy. I'm not going to buy into it. You're a troll and you thrive off attention. that's my personal opinion not that of my employer yourself theinterns.net theinterns llc (laughs) 
You're not That's employed by the interns. Please direct. LLC. Please direct all complaints on my thoughts to the interns LLC. You cannot say you're employed by the interns LLC because we we will get our visa cancelled. Oh, okay. So, okay. Can I just make it very specific? I am not employed by the interns LLC. That was a joke. That was a gag. <laughs> all right. My final God. section. We have okay, to do yes. our flop of the week. Holy fuck. Okay. My flop of the week that I wish was higher is Sam Fisher and <laughs> hit song, What Other People Say, which I will tell you is currently number 16 on iTunes in Australia, number 100 on iTunes in the United States. You can't say iTunes because nobody buys shit from iTunes anymore. It starts at iTunes, though, and it contributes towards the Billboard Hot 100. I know it contributes, but that's why people are always like, let's send Mariah Carey's Glitter to number one because they only have to buy, like, seven copies on iTunes. Good point. It's currently sitting at... Number 100 in Norway on Spotify, and that's its highest Spotify charting position at the moment. 100 and what? 100 on the knocker in Norway. Okay. Is it high yeah. up on today's top hits at all on Spotify? It doesn't look like it's in there. I haven't spotted it there yet, but it's on look, the way. It's not looking good, but I'm not going to rule it out. We've got to give it time. We'll give it see? time. Yeah. We've got to give it time. No, but look, I'll, I'll throw in an extra one for this week. Um, I really think um, the Pink song is amazing. And I think it's about, I think it's roughly top 10 US, but it's not setting the world on fire yet. Yeah. So this is the new Pink song with Willow, her daughter, um, called Cover Me in Sunshine. And it's just a really nicely written pop song. It's very freaking catchy, like to the point where a nine-year-old liked it so much, she ended up singing on the yeah. record with her mum. She's pretty um, flat yeah. in a, at the end. They shouldn't have given it. No, she really could do with a bit of auto tune. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really, I really like Cover Me in Sunshine, and I hope it kind of, yeah. Not that I have any personal care about this, but I hope it goes well. Great. Well, you can What's personally care about it. I, yeah, but I don't. Okay. I'm not going to pretend to. Um, my flop of the week, and it's not a flop because it's very new, but I want to give it some attention. Yeah. The new uh, Nina Jirachi and Coda Bank song, <gasps> Secretive, is a Secretive. banger. I think it's the best thing they've ever done, both together and individually. And I feel like if the yeah. like um, Charlie XCX stands and PC Music stands got onto it, they could make them internet icons in a second. So I think we should all spam those groups with the song. Can I give a third flop of the week? Yeah. The Pale Waves album. Yeah, if it's quite like, good. It's amazing. It's it's kind of like the pop rock we were talking about, that perfect pop rock in the noughties. Um, you know, Avril Lavigne's best days, part of Clarko's best days, done by a young queer band from the UK on the Dirty Hit record label with the 1975. It's like wall-to-wall anthemic. Um, definitely worth yeah, your time. Yeah, it's very good. Can I add another flop of the week to mine? Um, seeing <laughs> we're can. just building these blocks. Uh, I want to throw in the mix our Rita Ora episode from last week, uh, which is doing <laughs> very well. Much better than usual. But if you haven't listened to it, you should go and listen to it because it was very good. Um, and since then, she has sampled the Crazy Frog, which adds a little bit of fun <laughs> context to the mix. 
you know, we're talking all on all through that podcast. We were talking about how we hope this record is, you know, a new new era for it. And then it comes out that I thought one of the songs had the Kazakhstani producer Iman Beck yeah. on the production. All four. Nope, every song. All four. Yeah. All four is just four to the floor dance beats, one with the crazy frog sampled in the middle. David Guetta makes some kind of appearance that I don't understand. It's all just brilliant Rita classics. It's a mess. And good news for her, she's actually joining the real Mardi Gras this year instead of just holding a concert around the corner. <laughs> On the night of the queer perform- of the queer night of nights. <laughs> but not related to the queer night of yeah, nights. But so now she's ended up being straight in people. the official thing. Because she's the she's head- only she's person the from another country in Australia <laughs> right now. Well, there is Kylie Minogue in the country, but is we, she? We whittled it down to the only, um, only person in the country at the moment that they could afford. Okay, is what yeah. we've gone with. Okay, for her appearance, but it'll be great. Yeah, it'll be great to see her perform "Bang" and other hits live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you hit subscribe if you're on Apple Podcasts, hit follow on Spotify and share the potty with a friend if you know they like pop music and particularly if you know they like Clarko um, and want a deep dive into the albums that made them interesting. Yeah, good spiel. Very good. Thanks. I was really happy with that, actually. Yeah. Actually, well. All right. Ta-ta. Have the best week. Bye. Bye, friends. Feel now, how I feel